Father, we give you thanks for this amazing day and what it means to you, what it means to us as your people. This day of Pentecost, when you open the way of eternal life to every race and every nation by the promised gift of your Holy Spirit. And we ask now in Jesus' name that you would pour out this gift upon us. We welcome you here, Holy Spirit. We welcome you to be who you are and to do what you do. And we ask that you would help us know you and desire you and enjoy you. And we ask by your presence in us as the people of Jesus sent out for the glory of Father that you would give us that life to the full, that life in abundance, that we can um, be your people and the hope that is held out in the gospel for all of those around us. So come Holy Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now have a seat. So this morning on the day of Pentecost, we are going to celebrate the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's an important thing because really um, the Holy Spirit kind of gets dismissed, gets left out, uh, gets um, kind of put off to the side a lot. And the reality is that the Holy Spirit is equal to the Son, and the Holy Spirit is equal to the Father. But the Holy Spirit is equal with the Father and the Son, and together the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are our God. And so today we're just going to set aside a little time to give some attention to the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Who is he? And what does he do in our life and through the church today? So in your seats you have a listening guide, and this is what Jesus teaches. This is what the Word teaches about the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to go through what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit and why he wants us to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And uh, Brian's going to help us out with a few illustrations that are going to help us understand a little bit more of who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit is up to in our lives and in the church today. But more than you coming away with just a few nice object lessons, my heart for me, my heart for us, is that this morning we would begin to ask the question, Holy Spirit, who are you? And what are you up to in my life? What do you want to do in me and through me? And unfortunately, it's a question that many of us aren't encouraged to ask. It's certainly my story. When I gave my life uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ in college, a couple of the people that were discipling me had never really been discipled into who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. And as a result of that, they didn't teach me who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. In fact, they uh, taught me that the Holy Spirit isn't really doing today what the Holy Spirit was doing uh, back in the early church. And so um, I kind of started in my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ thinking that the Holy Spirit's not very relevant and not very active. And 
honestly, some of the people that uh, I was around that were a little bit more charismatic, and certainly some of the things that I was seeing on TV, made me not really all that eager to get to know the Holy Spirit or to know what the Holy Spirit is doing um, in the world today. But as um, I read the scriptures, and as I really saw what it is that the scriptures taught in the Old Testament as well as what Jesus taught in the New Testament and what the encouragement was to the churches in the pastoral letters, I began to wonder, wait, what I have been told, or quite frankly, what I haven't been told, is right here. And maybe the Holy Spirit is who Jesus said he is, and maybe the Holy Spirit is doing what the Father promised that he would do and that Jesus encouraged us to receive and experience. And about that time, um, it was my second year in seminary, and I went uh, abroad to Wycliffe Hall, and the people that loved me, the people that accepted me as a foreign exchange student, the people that invited me to tea and took me to the cricket games um, and had me over to dinner at their house, they were the charismatic people at the seminary. And as I was loved by them, and as I hung out with them, and as I got to know them, and as they talked about the Holy Spirit for the first time in my life, I couldn't really discount the person and ministry of the Holy Spirit because they loved Jesus more than I did, and they knew the word better than I did. And all of a sudden, I was introduced to the Holy Spirit that Jesus talked about, the Holy Spirit that I was reading about in the Bible, and I came into a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to try and do this morning is I want to try and just open up the scriptures and ask the Holy Spirit to really introduce himself to you and also to give you a desire to have a new or a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit just as Jesus desires us to, just as the Father gives us the gift so that we will open it up and experience it for our goodness and our joy and our freedom and for his glory. So that's what the, um, the outline is. And we're just going to um, look at this um, this morning, the, the 10 reasons to ask God for the Holy Spirit. And I want to I start with this quote. It's a quote by J.I. Packer, who's a father in God to me and has um, discipled me over the years, primarily through his books, but in his speaking as well. And he says this, The Christian's life, in all its aspects, is supernatural. Only the Spirit can initiate and sustain it. So apart from the Holy Spirit, not only will there be no lively believers and no lively congregations, there will be no believers and no congregations. Think about that. Top 10 reasons to ask for the Holy Spirit. Number 10, the Holy Spirit gives life. In John chapter 3, um, a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, is uh, wanting to know what life in this promised Messiah, in this new kingdom, is all about. He's, he's, he's leading with his mind, but he can't get what is going on in his head to drop the 18 inches to his heart. So he comes to Jesus at night and secretly asks him, Jesus, how do I experience the kingdom of God? What does it mean to be in relationship with you as the Messiah? And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God 
unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. What is Jesus talking about? Jesus is using an analogy. He's using an analogy of physical, biological life to help us understand supernatural, spiritual life. Jesus has a sex talk with Nicodemus. All right, so here we go, right here in the middle of worship, a little sex ed. So you might want to earmuff those kids back there. There you go. So how, how is it that flesh gives birth to flesh? A man and a woman fall in love. They get married. And according to God's blessing and God's design, they procreate and have children. Flesh gives birth to flesh. The sperm and the egg causes new life, new creation between a male and a female. Jesus is, is going to Nicodemus's physical understanding of birth to help him understand how God brings us spiritual birth because we were born spiritually alive, but because of our sin, we become dead in our transgressions and separated from God. We are not, have no longer spiritual life. We are spiritually dead and apart from God. So how is it that spirit gives birth to our spirit again. The seed of the gospel of the kingdom of God comes and falls on good soil in our heart and there brings forth new life. It is through the seed of the gospel, the kingdom of God, that falls in our heart that makes us alive or reborn or regenerate. <laughs> we are recreated in the image of of Christ. So the Holy Spirit conceives spiritual life. That's why we want a relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's why we want to know him and want him to be a part of our lives. Number nine, the Holy Spirit indwells. In John 14, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. What Jesus is promising is that even though he leaves, he is going to leave us with a deposit. He is going to send the Holy Spirit who has been with the disciples during his earthly ministry, but for the first time is now going to come and be in them, not just with them, but in them. And that's why in John 17, when he goes on to pray, Father, I pray that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. What is Jesus talking about, if you, if you take a cup of milk and you pour chocolate syrup in it, you'll get the picture. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, the life of Christ is in us by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And yet, that life must be stirred up. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit stirs up 
the life of Christ in us, and it takes over our entire being, and we have a new spiritual nature. The old is gone, and the new has come. That's why we want a relationship with the Holy Spirit, so that he won't just be poured out into us, but he will, he will be stirred up in us. How's that? Good. Is that good? I put a little more coffee in You did? Yeah. Okay. You went Go ahead. See, you got to taste and see that the Lord is good. And you don't just want some of it. Like you want, you want all of what the Lord has for you. The Holy Spirit is sweet. It is good for our souls to have him abide in us as we abide in him. That's what the Spirit of God is doing. Not only conceiving spiritual life in us, but imparting and stirring up the presence of Jesus in our lives. Number eight, man, that's good. Mm. Number eight, the Holy Spirit brings fullness of life. I don't know about y'all, but I'm just going to go on record saying, maybe not for y'all, but for me, that was my best sermon illustration ever. This is so good for me. So, um, sorry, number eight, the Holy Spirit brings fullness of life. Um, there is uh, a woman, and she has been trying to find meaning and purpose through physical relationship. She's trying to find that sense of belonging and acceptance um, by having physical relationships with many men. And so Jesus comes alongside her in the middle of the day, very controversial, speaks to her, says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Again, Jesus is taking a physical uh, understanding of, of thirst to teach about our spiritual thirst and our need for another kind of water, a spiritual water. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And I find this pretty cool because our bodies are made up mostly of water. I looked this up in a biological journal and found that the brain and the heart are both composed of about 73% water. The lungs are about 83% water. Skin, our skin contains 64% water. All of our muscles, our kidneys, they each are about 79% water. Even our bones, believe it or not, our bones are 31% water. Most of us is water. And we lose about three quarts of water Per day. That's why it's important to drink all day long. Not just when we're thirsty, but continuing to drink. Otherwise, we get what? Dehydrated. Not good, particularly if you're mostly water. And those signs and symptoms of dehydration, you've experienced them. Headaches, poor concentration, tiredness. And it can lead to very significant injury and death if you don't drink water. People don't die from a lack of food. People die from a lack of water. And just as our bodies need water to stay healthy in life, so our souls need living water, the living water of the Holy Spirit to stay spiritually healthy and alive. And that's why we shouldn't wait until we're spiritually depleted to ask for the Holy Spirit. We don't need to wait until we become spiritually dehydrated. We need to be taking in 
the Holy Spirit every day, all day long, asking him to fill us up and to become like springs of water welling up to eternal life within us. And if we become spiritually dehydrated, you know the signs and symptoms. Worry, fear, a sense of isolation or rejection or condemnation, feeling spiritually tired or lethargic. And so what Jesus is promising to the woman at the well, what he's promising us is that the Spirit of God is going to come and it's important for us to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit who will well up in our hearts like springs of living water to convey the life of Jesus to us, to satisfy our souls, to quench our thirst for meaning and purpose. Only the Holy Spirit can satisfy the spiritual thirst that we all have. That's why we want the Holy Spirit. Number seven. The Spirit teaches. Again, it's the night before he's handed over to suffering and death, and Jesus is with the disciples, and he's teaching them. In John 14, he says, The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Has anybody ever been backpacking, ever used a map and a compass? Um, we kind of getting... Uh, difficult to use that illustration these days because we all have GPS on our phones. Um, so maybe maybe you, you've, you've used your phone as a map and that GPS as a compass. I have really grown in my understanding of the personal ministry of the Holy Spirit a lot by backpacking. And when you take a map and you orient that map and then you take a compass and you set the declination correct on that compass, you can use a map and a compass and you can get safely from A to B wherever you are. If you, if you use the map and you use the compass together, you can move from A to B in an accurate, correct, good, healthy fashion and you won't get lost. The same is true in our life with the Lord, is that he gives us the map and the map is his word. The map is the scriptures. And he gives us a compass who is the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit does is illumines and orients and makes the map come alive leading us to Jesus, who is our true north. He is our destination. He is the end of our life, the beginning and the end of our life. And so that's why we want the Holy Spirit in our lives, to illumine the Word of God, to make the Word of God come alive to us, that we would see Jesus, that we would know Jesus, that we would be able to follow Jesus. And as we do, that we would go in the places that Jesus is leading us and be in Jesus, in him, in us, wherever we go. The Holy Spirit teaches by leading us to Jesus. Everything the Holy Spirit will do will point and exalt and lift up Jesus. That's how you know it's the Holy Spirit. If, if somebody else is getting glory, it's not the Holy Spirit. If something else is getting attention, it's not the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is like a billboard that's just shining it's light on the person and work of Jesus. That's who the Holy Spirit is. That's why, that's why we want him. Number six, the Holy Spirit convicts. Jesus goes on in his teaching, I tell you the truth, it's for your good that I'm going away. That's crazy. How could it possibly be good that Jesus is going away? Because he has something that he says is better. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he'll convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. So the word convict is to declare or prove guilty of an offense. And so what the Holy Spirit does is comes and, and 
prompts and comes and kind of um, uh, moves us to an understanding between right and wrong. And the Holy Spirit doesn't just um, bring our attention, raise our awareness, help us understand the difference between right and wrong. He moves us to repentance and trust. And so the Holy Spirit is moving us out of error and into truth. He's moving us out of sin and into righteousness. He's moving us out of death and into life, out of brokenness and into healing. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing as he convicts us. He's moving us to turn away from the things that don't satisfy, that don't bring life, that are not part of God's design and his redemptive purposes in our lives, and to turn to Jesus with trust and surrender for life and life to the full and the experience of the kingdom of God here and now. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing. It's the enemy, not the Holy Spirit. It's the enemy that tries to turn conviction into condemnation. That's what the enemy does. That's not what the Holy Spirit does. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will bring freedom. He will bring the truth, and the truth of Christ sets us free. Jesus is the truth and the way and the life. And so as the Holy Spirit convicts, he also converts and consecrates us in Christ. That's why we want the Holy Spirit in our lives. Number five, the Holy Spirit guides. Jesus goes on to say, but he, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. He won't speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, Brian's got a glove. The thing about that, it's got some, it's got some holes in it. It's very, it's, that's, that's, that's symbolic of our life, right? It's rough, it's tattered, it's used, it's torn up, but it's good. Love that glove. God loves us. Here's the point. That glove can't do anything by itself. That glove's not going to rake my yard. That glove's not going to weed my flower beds. That glove is not going, you know, to, to prune trees or pluck vegetables. By itself, that glove's not going to do anything. But when you put a hand in a glove, that glove can do a lot of stuff. And the metaphor is this. That glove is like our life in Christ. It's when the Holy Spirit is in us. When the Holy Spirit, the hand, comes in us and does work through us, that amazing things can happen. We don't labor in our cleverness or in our energy. What we do is we allow the Holy Spirit to work and to labor through us for the glory of God. And so what that means is that we want to be open to the Holy Spirit. We want to make room for the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has access to every part of our lives, to every crack and crevice and, and, and finger hole in our heart. The Holy Spirit can come in and occupy and lead and guide and empower us. How do you know it's the hand of the Spirit? How do you know it's the Holy Spirit within you? You know it in three ways. Because how the Holy Spirit teaches and guides will be consistent with the character of God, will be consistent with the Word of God, and will be consistent with who God created and redeemed you to be in Christ. That's how you know it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides us in God's good and perfect will for us and enables us, providing us the desire and the energy 
to live for Christ and not ourselves. He does it in us and through us. Number four, the Holy Spirit transforms. In 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about the Spirit this way. Now the Lord is the Spirit. He's God. He's the Lord. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is who? The Spirit. The Spirit. So this dirty, nasty cup of water represent what sin does in our lives and in our hearts. It mucks it up. It makes things messy and dirty. And yet, the work of the Holy Spirit is to make us pure and holy and blameless. And what the Holy Spirit does is comes and is poured out into our lives and the Holy Spirit displaces the sin and the blemishes and the stain that our fallen human nature otherwise infect us with. And so you see how the Holy Spirit, this is called sanctification, that God has, has set us aside and has put his spirit in us. And he has made us vessels of noble purposes. He has put his very presence within us and calls us good because we now have the righteousness and the purity and the holiness and the blamelessness of Christ within us. And what happens when sin tries to come in and change the new nature that we have, it cannot. It cannot because the old has gone and the new has come. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. And nothing in heaven and on earth or under the earth can change us or separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. The love that is poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit does, changing us to become more and more like Christ so that the way we think is like Christ thinks. The way that we feel is how Christ feels. The way that we, we live and our attitudes and our values are all the attitudes and the values of Christ in us. And he transforms us daily and monthly and yearly into his image. And on the day that we are raised and come face to face with Jesus and all of his glory, we will be perfected, perfected in the image and the likeness of Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's why we want more of the Holy Spirit because he makes us more like Jesus. Number three, the Holy Spirit imparts gifts. And the illustration here, the metaphor here is within Paul's writing itself, and that is the metaphor of the body. That just as we um, have different parts in our bodies with um, our head controlling it all, so the church is like different parts of the body with Christ Jesus as our head. And the Holy Spirit gives to everyone at least one gift that when we operate in that gift with 1 Corinthians 13, love, the love of Christ, it uh, mutually benefits the rest of the body. So Jesus is our head. He's the head of the church. He's the senior pastor of Grace Northridge. He is our head. And we all have different gifts. And when we are mutually submitted to, to Christ, 
in one another and we're operating those gifts. We're building each other up. We're encouraging each other. We're helping one another become mature and take on the likeness of Christ. Whether it's wisdom or healing or miraculous powers or prophecies or speaking in tongues or administration, whatever that gift the Holy Spirit gives us, when we use it, it's for the good of us all and for the glory of God. And as we do that in love, others will see the unity that we have and the way that we encourage and build one another up. And they'll see Christ in us and they'll know that he is who he says he is and does what he says he does to the glory and the honor and the praise of our Father in heaven. The Holy Spirit unites us together in Christ for our mutual edification and maturation. That's why we want the Holy Spirit. Number two, the Holy Spirit fills. Acts 1, Jesus um, is eating with the disciples after his resurrection, right before his ascension, and he says, don't leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is really important. Um, like if, if you think about this sponge, I don't know if any of you have ever, have ever held like a fancy, not a cheap one, but like a fancy real sponge. It, it's, it's, it, it's dry and it's crusty and the edges are, are kind of hard. Have you ever held one of those sponges? And that's how our hearts get. It's certainly true of my heart. It can become like a dry sponge. But when, when we put that sponge into water, the edges begin to soften. And once the edges have softened, the sponge can absorb water. And then when you take it out of the water, the water pours out of it. And that's how we're meant to be, not only full of the Spirit, but overflowing with the Spirit. And when Jesus says that he is going to baptize us in the Spirit, he's not thinking of a small little font in the back of a 15th century building. He's, he's using an analogy of water. In his day, the, the word baptized would have been used for a ship that was sunk in a harbor and therefore completely filled and covered with water. And so what Jesus is talking about when he talks about baptizing and when he talks about us going and baptizing people into the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is he's thinking of full immersion into the life of God. He, he's talking about us being drenched and dunked and sunk in the fullness of God that completely fills us. That's who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does and why Paul will go on to say to the church in Ephesus, you got to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit so that you keep having the life of God within you and so that the life of God continues to flow from you. The Holy Spirit conveys the life of Jesus in us and he conveys the life of Jesus through us. Last one, the number one reason to ask for the Holy Spirit is in Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So, so authority isn't our issue. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth, and in him, we have spiritual authority to push back the darkness, uh, to use the keys of the kingdom, to bring um, the ministry of reconciliation and forgiveness. We have the authority in, 
in, in, in Jesus' name. That's not what we struggle with. What we tend to struggle with as followers of Jesus is not our authority. It's the fact that we don't have power. We don't have power. And so Jesus says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to give you power to go along with my authority. And so if you take a look at, at, at this bowl filled with water, this is our life in Christ. And the Holy Spirit is, is in us. That's what the promise is. But what's happening? The Holy Spirit is there, but, but we, don't, we, don't have, we don't have power. Power comes by knowing the person of the Holy Spirit and being open to him and being open to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so when we invite the Holy Spirit to come and, and we give him access and we say, open up your life and your ministry within us, we have power. Power like teeming, foaming, power, the life of God within us. Charles Spurgeon says it this way, without the Spirit of God, without his power, we can do nothing. We're like ships without wind, branches without sap, and coals without flame. But with the power of God, all things are possible. And so that's who the Holy Spirit is. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And on this day of Pentecost, I invite you to join me and begin that conversation with the Holy Spirit. To ask the Lord to break down those walls that you have held up because somebody or some church has hurt you or has been really weird about the Holy Spirit. And to ask, ask Jesus, just tell me, who is the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit doing? What does the Holy Spirit want to do in my life? And begin anew, begin more deeply a relationship with the Spirit who is as equal as Jesus and the Father. And without Him and without His full-on work in our lives, we are incomplete. But when we give Him permission to be who He is and do what He does, when we surrender to Him, we do experience full and abundant life in Christ. That's why the Father gives us the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus talks so much about him. He's not an it. You wouldn't call Father it. You wouldn't call Jesus it. He's a him. He's the Holy Spirit. He's the author and the giver of life. So I want to invite you to welcome him in your heart and in this expression of the local church as I just pray over us this morning. Father, we thank you uh, for your son. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are uh, the one who was hovering over creation. You are the one that uh, breathed life into the first humans. You are the one that came upon particular people in particular situations for the Father's purposes throughout the Old Testament. You were the one who spoke through the prophets about the coming Messiah and about the new covenant. You were the one that conceived uh, Jesus in his mother's womb. You are the one that 
anointed Jesus at his baptism. You were the one that empowered Jesus uh, to heal the sick and to raise the dead and to do many miracles. You were the one that sustained Jesus on the cross. You're the one that raised Jesus from the grave, and you are the one that the Father has promised and that Jesus has taught will come and dwell within us and to give us resurrected life as well. So Holy Spirit, help us. Comfort us where we need to be comforted. Guide us where we need to be guided. Teach us where we need to be taught. Heal us where we need to be healed. Sanctify us where we need to be sanctified. Convict us where we need to be convicted. Give us life. Give us fullness. Give us power. Holy Spirit, we desire a real relationship with you. And we know we do because that's Jesus' desire. So come, Holy Spirit. Be with us. We welcome you. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.